and on his way to um, go to Mardi Gras with our some students. So I have the privilege of introducing our speaker tonight. Um, he doesn't really need an introduction. Y'all know him and love him probably as much as I do, but not, probably not. I love this man like uh, he's a, a second dad to me. Uh, he's a, a man that's been a, a man of this house, and we love him to death. And uh, he is going to bring our word tonight. Pastor Rick, why don't you come up and bless us tonight? We love you. Thank you, sir. So I have a few guys like Vinny that um, I have met along the way and mentor. I was telling Mackenzie tonight um, that one of them calls me the professional teddy bear. Um, so I, I uh, remember when he was... Um, interviewed about me getting a job somewhere. He said, Pastor Rick's the kind of guy that can take you into the office, tell you all the things that you need to change, and when you go out, you're thanking him. So I didn't see myself as a professional teddy bear, but he did, so. Um, I, Vinny said to sit down if you can. I just felt like I'm so thankful tonight that Pastor Gary declared that this is the year of generosity, God's generosity over our life, not just in finances, but in relationships and mercy and grace. I wonder if you could just stand up with me for one more minute and just thank God for his goodness. Can you just give him a praise tonight? I mean, I'm so grateful for what God has done in my life, and I know if he hasn't done it in yours, he's about to. Because God is more than enough tonight for everything that you need. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. That'll be the last time you'll stand while I'm preaching because it's not one of those kind of messages. So I wanted to at least get you up once. Um, God has been good to Rick and Fran. And um, many of you know I've been part of the staff here for four years and uh, just recently resigned from my staff position. But as you can see, I'm still here. And uh, that's a good sign about Pastor Gary and a good sign about Glad Tidings because I mean from the very beginning four years ago when Glad Tidings purchased the ch this church down the street, I have been treated so well I couldn't have asked for anything else. And I think it's awesome to be part of a house that when pastor's away, when Pastor Tyler's away, that nothing changes because the house is deep and the house is wide and it's all here. It's not a man's ministry. It's God's ministry. And that tells you something about your pastor. And I just honor him tonight and I'm so grateful for how he has blessed Fran and I and we're grateful for how you have and how well we've been treated. Thank you so much to those who gave in a special offering a couple Sundays ago when we were absent, and it was a blessing to us as well. Um, a lot of people have been confused about what I'm doing now. I am working for my son who has a company called King Construction, and uh, there's a lot of things that I do. Some of them are very, very technical, important, and you need a lot of training for them. Um, in fact, I think they have a picture of one of the things that I was doing today. My son and his wife adopted a little boy on December the 31st. His name is Jackson Levi Grant. 
And uh, I was busy doing something that my son wanted me to do. And then he said, hey, can you just come in here and look after this guy? And so from 11 o'clock until 5, that was my job. <laughs> so now you can see why I feel so blessed. God has been good to Rick and Fran. Well, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about priorities. Priorities, or you might call this message first things first, or you could maybe call it right things first, and uh, I've done my share of getting things wrong and, and getting things out of order, and at times not having the right priorities. Um, I've mentioned this before. There was a time in my ministry life when I literally repented to my adult children because during a season in my life, I made the work of the church more important than them. God never intended for that. You know, sometimes we get things that are good, but we get them out of order. And so I want to talk to you tonight about priorities. Um, some of you probably already figured this out. Tomorrow is the last day of February. And that means that two months of this year are already passed. And some of us set these awesome goals and new plans and, and made these commitments to ourselves and to the Lord. And we said, this year, this is what I'm going to do. And yet two months have gone by. And if you're like me, there's some of those things that you haven't even begun to do. You got distracted. Your priorities got mixed up by life. And so I want to talk to you today about priorities. Um, many of us have had an opportunity in our life to do it right. And many of us have also had opportunities to do it wrong. So I want to just talk tonight about how we're doing with what you plan to do in 2019. That's between you and God. But before I get started in that, I wanted to tell you a funny little story. A woman was sitting next to an empty seat at the Super Bowl stadium. There was a man sitting right beside the other side of that empty seat, and of course, he was interested in why the seat at the Super Bowl was empty, and he said, ma'am, uh, like, what, what's with the empty seat? She said, oh, that was my husband's seat, and he passed away. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I can't imagine why someone else in your family wouldn't have come and taken advantage of being at the Super Bowl. She said, well, I, I couldn't figure it out either, but she said they all decided to go to his funeral. <laughs> you can tell by what she did what her priorities were. He obviously was not the priority. Um, one more story. A farmer ran this classified ad in the, in the local newspaper. Farmer with 160 acres wants marriage-minded woman with a tractor. When replying, please send a picture of the tractor. We, we can get our priorities mixed up, but what we establish as important and the order that we do things or the importance in which we do them 
is actually key to our success. Like when you're building a building, men, like long before you pour that concrete slab, long before you put up the studs, somebody designed it. There was engineering done. A lot of planning goes into that building before you ever do the very first thing. Or ladies, if you're baking a cake, I know there's a whole lot of ingredients and you have to do them in the right order. I know that you don't take the ingredients for the icing or the frosting and mix it in with the cake mix and throw it in the oven. If you did, it would taste weird and it probably wouldn't rise. Because when we do things, we have to have an order. We have to do things in the right order. It's a good time of year for us to check and say, how are we doing? Are we getting things in the right order? I worked for an insurance company for 18 years in Canada before I moved here to accept God's call on my life. And when I was there, one of the things they taught us in management was to inspect what you expect. So I want you to remember that tonight because a lot of you have high expectations and you've got commitments for this year. You have to inspect what you expect. You've got to measure what you're expecting to happen. And if you don't, then you're going to end up in December and go, oh my gosh, there's another whole year gone by. And I didn't accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish this year. Whether we think about it or not, we all live according to priorities. A priority is something that has first importance in our life. It is those things that we place higher value on than other things. The Bible is a book of priorities. It's a book of God's priorities and a book where we see man's priorities. Have you ever noticed how us men, I'll just pick on the men, when we get some new thing that we clicked once on Amazon Prime and they send it to your house and it looks so cool in the picture, but it comes to your house in pieces and nuts and bolts and parts and everything. Have you noticed that not many men want to read the instructions, but they just dump all the stuff out and they say, oh, I can do this. And inevitably, they, they fail because you do need to read the instructions. It's important to look at what the manufacturer said we should do to put that thing together. And the same thing is true with God. He gave us the word of God for a reason, so that we could read the directions and the instructions and have a way to know how do you do this thing called life correctly. Now, so many of us try to do it on our own. In fact, if we're here tonight, probably every one of us came to a place, I hope almost all of us came to a place where we said, Jesus, I surrender to you. So we're believers, but before that, we were trying it our own way. We weren't paying any attention to the manual. We were just doing it our way. But now, we're those people who call ourselves Christ followers, disciples. Disciples should be following the path 
that Jesus and the Father set out for us in the Word. So it's wise for us to examine where we are now. Where is our life headed? Is there any difference between God's plan for our life and our own plans for our life? Will the road that we're on lead us to the destination God wants for us? You see, there's a big difference between temporal and eternal priorities. Pastor Gary was talking about this within the last two to three weeks. There's a great big difference between the temporal and the eternal. And, and there's a song that we sing called Heaven's Perspective. You see, God looks at things totally differently than we do in the natural. But here's what I found. The closer I get to him, the more times I spend in his presence like we did tonight, worshiping, the more times I spend just literally letting him pour himself into me, I begin to get more of his perspective. I'm more able to see the way he would want me to see. You see, there's often a big difference between our priorities and God's priorities. I'm sure you've seen that. But Paul's letters in the New Testament encourage us to examine the priorities in our life. I was telling Pastor Bree earlier, I was trained in a Bible school very different than the one our, our, um, some students go to. And I was actually trained to do something that's kind of maybe not good. And that was my guy told me, don't put a lot of scripture in your message. And I started thinking about that, but I think it was because back in the day, it was all in King, King James. And if you put a lot of scripture in your message, you spent half of your time explaining it. But tonight, there's a lot of scripture in my message. Because when I read the scripture from the New Living Translation, it preaches itself. And so I want to read you some of the things that Paul wrote to us as he was writing in the New Testament. In Timothy, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, Paul says this, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before witnesses. You see, Paul was telling Timothy, you have to focus on the right things. You can't be focused on the things of this world. You can't measure your success by the way the world measures theirs. He also said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 and 14, there's going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. You see, your work is going to be tested. And if you know your work's going to be tested, some students, if you know that your work is going to be tested, 
then aren't you going to make sure you've tested yourself first? Because otherwise, you'll fail the test. So we want to make sure that we are checking, inspect what we expect. The Bible also says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 18 and 19, that we should lay up treasures in heaven. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. You see, God's priorities and ours are often in a struggle. When you get paid, you have a priority in mind for your paycheck. God has a different one. And I have found out by walking this thing out for many years, making mistakes along the way, just like you probably have, that if I surrender to God's plan for my life when it comes to finances, that he will literally blow my mind with his generosity. And I can testify to that. I would never tell anybody the numbers because I was raised to be conservative in expressing what you have. So um, I'm not the kind that goes, oh, this is what I paid for that, and this is how we got that. But I can tell you this, that over my lifetime, I've been given almost as much money as I've earned. And God is a generous God. God will pour things into your life as you put him first, as you surrender to him. An Indian chief was telling his young braves about the inner struggle that we have. Like, there's God's way and there's our way. The chief told them, and some of you have probably heard this, it's like two dogs fighting inside of us. There's a good dog who wants to do what's right, but the other dog always wants to do what's wrong. Sometimes the good dog seems stronger and is winning the fight. But sometimes the bad dog is stronger and it's winning. The young brave asks, who will win in the end? The chief answers, the dog you feed. Are you feeding the right dog? My phone is hearing my voice and thinking that I want Siri to help me. That's funny. My son, who I work for, says that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Your phone knows too much about you. As we look over the priorities in our lives, we may be feeding the wrong dog. Like maybe we're investing too much time. Maybe we're investing too much money. Maybe we're investing too much of our mental worry or concern or processing time on the wrong things because God's priorities are totally different than the ones that we would naturally have. Having the wrong priorities in our life is like buttoning up your shirt incorrectly. Now, I know you've never done that, but I'm 64 and every once in a while it happens to me now. And you look down and it's not right because you started it wrong. 
You see, if you start buttoning it up wrong, no matter how diligent you are in continuing your way, when you get to the top, it's all wrong. And some of us get started on the wrong thing, and yet we're so diligent. We put all we've got into it. We keep going and going and doing and doing, and yet we haven't started right. And if we don't start right, how can we possibly finish right? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 19. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. The fast pace of our life, the fast pace of your life, takes priority over the most important thing God wants us to focus on. And God warns us about that. Our lives go so fast that many of us don't slow down enough to spend the time with God that we should. God warns us to take a good look at our priorities. Making ourselves number one doesn't bring contentment. God needs to be number one. There's a verse in Haggai. I've used this over the years in many messages. I love this scripture. Haggai chapter one, verse five through seven. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You've planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. I love this last one. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You see, the Bible is clearly telling us we have to inspect what we expect. You've got to look. You've got to be real with yourself and say, how am I doing? Am I doing it the way God wants it done? We need to look at the things that are happening to us and the things that are happening through us. And I'm not going to try to tell you what your priority should be because I think that's personal. But I believe there's three basic things that show us our priorities. One of them is our schedule. If you take a look at your schedule, a close look at your schedule, and examine what you invest your time in, how much time do you spend with God? I know this is simple and basic, but I'm simple and basic. I've talked to the some students before. They know this is my regimen. I'm not saying you're bad if you do something different. But when I get in my vehicle for as long as I can remember, and I'm old, I never turn on the radio. I never put in a Christian CD. I never listen to Z88.3. 
I spend all the time in my car being quiet or being with God. And that's just something I've done for so long, I can't remember ever listening to music in my car. It's been going on for so long. Do I pray all the time? No. Am I hearing God talk all the time? No. But my life is quiet when I'm in that car. And God has a chance, at least, to get my attention. So our schedule is important. We can look at it and find out something about a person's priorities. Another way you can find out about your priorities is our spending. I was hoping Chad was going to be here. I was going to talk about video games. Um, because I've never bought a video game in my life. But I was just going to pick on him. But what do we spend our money on? If you take a look at your checkbook, if you take a look at your debit card, if you take a look at your spending, does it tell you something about your priorities? Are they healthy or are they not healthy? Jesus counsels us in Matthew 6, uh, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, there's another passage, and I've got this one from the Message Bible. Luke 12, verse 32 through 35. Love how this reads. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourselves a bank that can't go bankrupt. A bank in heaven that's far from the bank robbers. Safe from the embezzlers. A bank that you can bank on. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. We need to invest in the kingdom of God. This is a message that comes well on the heels of Mission Sunday. We need to invest in the kingdom of God. I've been a part in my life of 10 different churches. And I've told people this to brag on Pastor Gary. I have never once in my life ever met personally a pastor and been aware of a church that gives such a high percentage to missions. But we need to have that heart. That's God's heart. Pastor Gary's principle, his goals, the things that drive him, that's God's heart. Yes, every time there's extra money, I feel like Pastor Gary is saying, yay, we can give more to missions. You know? And, and the people in the departments are saying, yeah, but I'd like some. And he's, he's saying, no, but I want to give more to missions. And, and that's God's heart. If we look at how we spend our money, it'll tell us something about ourselves. The last one is our speech. The Bible says we're going to be judged by our words. Luke 6, verse 45 and 46. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. 
What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now, we did a whole series on the tongue. I forget what it was called. Cool series. And I felt so convicted. My big, fat mouth. I'm telling you, I found out when I was listening to those sermons, I had a big, fat mouth. Yeah. We, we are judged by what comes out of our mouth. In fact, what comes out of your mouth is what's producing your future. So those of us who are not happy with what's coming to us right now, it's probably because of what we were saying before. So we have to watch how we speak, change how we speak. You see, our, our words show what condition our heart is in. So as you continue in 2009, there are three ways that you can deal with your life. First of all, you can take the road that's most traveled. The Bible calls it the wide path the broad road. Jesus says to us in Matthew 7, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Now that'll preach. I was raised in those days. Like they'd have preached that point for 15 minutes. The highway to hell is broad. Yeah, you don't want to be on that one. Choose the narrow way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. You see, God's path isn't going to be the easiest one, but it's going to be the best one. It's going to be the most prosperous in every way. You're going to experience generosity in every part of your life. Paul says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. You see, God wants to change us into the person he wants us to be. He wants to change the priorities in our life. He wants to focus, change, he wants to be the focus of our love. He wants to be the focus of our attention. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 32. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You see, God has a plan for every one of our, our lives. He has a purpose for you. And we have to seek his purpose. And we have to seek his priorities. He protected us. I wrote down this. He protected his time from OPAs. Jesus protected his time from OPAs, other people's agendas. He didn't let other people tell him who he was supposed to be or who he was going to be. He already knew who God had called him to be. And we want 2019 to be our best year yet, right? 
we can start by actually making God the number one priority in our life. We can start by making relationships more important than religion. We can start by inviting people into our lives and accepting people's invitation to be a part of their lives. We can start by gathering together with God's people like we have tonight. We can start by studying his word more. We can start by serving God and others. We can start by giving our best to God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close tonight. I want you to say this out loud so you remember it. Say, inspect what you expect. You see, God's going to hold you accountable for you. He's going to hold me accountable for me. I don't have to answer for you, and you don't have to answer for me. And so my challenge to you tonight is as we close, put yourself in that position of being the one who's 100% in charge of you. Maybe you're a teenager here, but I was going to say you're not a teenager anymore. You can't blame it on your mama. You can't blame it on your daddy. You can't blame it on the way you were raised. You can't blame it on anybody but you now. You're a big person. So inspect what you expect tonight. As we spend a few more minutes in God's presence, I just challenge you to open your heart up and let God give you an agenda for the next 10 months of this year. Let's sing this out together. Sing, come and sing.